Joshua chapter 7. I'm going to be very brief this morning. Because I have orders. I'll tell you about them later. Joshua chapter 7. You're familiar with this story, so I'll read it rather rapidly but because I know you'll be familiar with it. But, but think on these words starting in verse number 2. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethaven on the east of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai. Make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, for they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shibarim, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide, he and all the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ round and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou upon thy face? Israel hath sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and dissembled also and they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore except ye destroy the accursed from among you. The thrill of victory at Jericho has quickly been snatched by the jaws of defeat. Can you imagine being one of these Israelites and marching around the city of Jericho? You know the story. What an amazing thing. And if you've studied some of the archaeology of the walls of Jericho, maybe you've studied some of this in your classes, and you know the, the amazing fortress that Jericho was, and, and the, the, the people were ready for any kind of an attack, and yet God told the people to march around the city once a day for those six days, and then the seventh day they were to march seven times and blow the trumpets and break the pitchers and shout, for the Lord had given them the victory, and the walls uh, came down, and, and they went into Jericho and they conquered the city. What an amazing victory. What an amazing thing to experience a miracle of God in overcoming an enemy. And maybe some of us have had some of those kinds of Jericho experiences where, man, we thought this is impossible, but we put our faith in God and we trusted God and God provided a, an amount of money to pay our school bill or God answered a prayer for someone that was sick or, or God did something miraculous in our life. And it's fun, it's wonderful to live in those, those days of victory. But now all of a sudden victory has been snatched. By defeat. What happened? What happened to this amazing power of God at Jericho? 
What happened to the display of this omnipotence by an almighty God to destroy the enemy before their eyes? And now they go out against this weak little city and 36 men are dead. 36 wives are grieving the loss of their husband. 36 families are wondering, is dad coming home? What happened? Israel hath sinned. What will quench the Spirit of God this weekend? What will keep God's Word from accomplishing its purpose? What will stop the Spirit of God from drawing men and women and teenagers and boys and girls to Jesus Christ? What is it? Well, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. Neither is His ear heavy that He will not hear, but your sins have separated between you and your God, and your iniquities have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. Did you know in Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 18, the Bible says, One sinner destroyeth much good. And the story before us is an application of that Bible principle. One sinner destroyeth much good. All this victory at Jericho is suddenly lost because one man, Achan, has sinned against the Lord. Notice the deadly steps to this defeat here in the book of Joshua. We see in chapter 7 a supposed secret. In verse 19 of chapter 7, as we go on into the story a bit and, and they begin to investigate, the Bible says in verse 19, Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. You know, our first reaction when we sin is to try to cover it. It's a human reaction. Adam and Eve in the garden, as they sinned and they heard the voice of God, what did they do? They hid themselves. They, they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves, and we may get a little more sophisticated than fig leaves, but we all have our, our way of denying or, or shifting or getting someone's attention away from our sin, and we try to cover, we try to hide. I remember years ago, Brother Weaver may remember this, we had a young man that we needed to expel at the college. He had gotten into some trouble, and there was a pattern that had developed, and and we, we knew we needed to let him go, and he, he understood that. He, he realized that he had, he had violated enough rules that he needed to be sent home, and he was okay with that. Now, I remember I was supposed to have the last meeting with him, and we were kind of thinking that there were other people involved. He had gotten caught, but it just seemed in the circumstances that had led to him getting caught that somebody had to be involved with this as well. There had to be someone else Involved, And I remember that meeting I had with him in my office and I, I, I was talking to him and trying to encourage him to go home and get this thing squared away in his life. And, 
I said, let me ask you before we go, I said, was there anybody else involved? And we had asked him that before, and he had said, no, no, I, no. And I, I was just kind of convinced there was. And I said, son, be honest with me now. Was there anybody else involved? And I remember he looked at me and he said, no. He said, Brother Gatch, I learned a long time ago. My rule about sinning, he said, is to always sin by yourself. Because that way nobody can rat on you. So he said, I always sin by myself. <laughs> remember when he said that, I kind of came out of my chair and I said, son, you have never sinned by yourself. Somebody's always there. But it's easy to forget that, isn't it? We think, oh, my sin is hid. My sin is covered. Achan, he's, he's fellowshiping with people. He knows that Babylonish garment's in his tent. He knows that gold and silver's under it. He knows where it is. He's hidden it. But he thinks, hey, nobody knows. He has a supposed secret. But God knows. Thou set our iniquities before thee. Our secret sins are in the light of thy countenance. Oh God, thou knowest my foolishness. My secret sins are not hid from thee. If we have forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a strange God, will not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. See, there's nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. That which you have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed from the housetops. You can't hide anything from God. Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? Do not I fill the heavens and the earth? Here was a supposed secret. But God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. But notice this supposed secret to God was a very serious sin. If we go a little bit into the story, we go back into chapter 6 and look at verse 18. God had said, and ye... These are the instructions prior to going into Jericho now. And ye, in any wise, keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed. When ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it, but all the silver, the gold, the vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. God said, as you go into Jericho, Joshua, I'm going to give you the victory. I'm going to pull these walls down. You're going to be able to conquer Jericho. But Joshua, here's the instructions. All of the spoils are mine. Now, it's interesting. Every city after that, God said, you can have the spoils. Check it out. Every city they conquered after they passed over the Jordan, God said, when they conquer a city, take the spoils, take the spoils, take the spoils. In fact, they used many of those spoils to build the tabernacle and all those kinds of things. But the first city belonged to God. Just like the first day of the week is God's. The first 10% of everything we make is God's. In the Old Testament, the firstborn son belonged to God. They knew the principle of the first belonging to God. And God had said, this is my city. See, in the Garden of Eden, God said, you can have all these trees, but not that one. That one's mine. Don't eat of it. That's my tree. But Adam and Eve violated 
that command and they sinned. Achan violates the command of God here. This was a serious thing. Achan probably thought, eh, nobody will miss this little garment here, eh, a little gold, a little silver compared to all the rest of this stuff. Who's going to care about that? But to God, it was serious. We sometimes think, well, my sin's not a big deal. But Paul said a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. Little foxes spoil the vines. We might think, well, collectively as a church, collectively as a college, we're right with God. We're doing the right thing. We're, we're having a big weekend. We're inviting people to come and get saved. Surely God's going to bless that. Where's the leaven? Where's the dead fly in the ointment that's going to ruin everything? Where's the little fox that's going to spoil the vine? Where's the Achan? Where's the sin in the camp? There is no such thing as a little sin. Because there's no such thing as a little God to sin against. It was a supposed secret. But it was a serious sin. And notice a sobering solution. In chapter 7, and verse 22, Joshua sent messengers and they ran into the tent And behold, it was hid in his tent and the silver under it. And they took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua and unto all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tent and all that he had. And they brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned them with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. Well, I'm I'm glad we live in the New Testament, aren't you? Aren't you glad you didn't have Achan for your dad? His children died that day. His cows died that day. His sheep died that day. The, the, the pretty Babylonish garment he stole, it got burned that day. All of it destroyed. Now, we don't deal in the same way today. There's no stoning of sinners today. But I wonder if some sin needs to be stoned today. Perhaps the dean's office could say, well, I tell you, Brother Getz, there's a couple kids just not, not towing the law here. There's some kids maybe we better talk to. There's some kids we better discipline. There's some kids we better deal with. And I suppose we could go through this room and we could deal with sinners. We could deal with problems. We could try to deal with it as they dealt with it. I would hope that we're a mature enough crowd to realize we are about to step into a miraculous power of God's working this weekend. And it should behoove us to stone some sin. Because he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh it shall have mercy. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord. 
for he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I'm asking you today to take the sin out of your life and stone it. We're not going to take you out of the college and stone you so we can have a great weekend. I would hope that each of us as individuals would take a look, maybe under some stuff in our tent, and say, does this need to be stoned? Does this need to be put to death? Does this need to be confessed and forsaken in my life so that God can win a great victory? Hey, God's got some AI victories ahead for us. God's got some miraculous things ahead. And you and I need to be a part of it. We certainly don't want to be a hindrance. We don't want to be part of the quenching. We don't want to be part of the ruining. We don't want to be that dead fly. We don't want to be that aching in the camp. Everybody's wondering, what happened? Let's investigate our own life. Search me, O God. Know my thoughts. Try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. There's some great victories ahead for those who will. I don't want anybody to move in this moment of invitation other than our pianist. She'll come in just a moment or he and play in a moment. I don't want anybody to move. I don't want you to come to an altar. This is about, oh, they must, they must be in a lot of trouble. They must be really sinning. If you feel you're in a better posture before God to kneel there at your chair, I'll leave that with you. But let's take a moment. Let's look in our tent. Maybe pull up some stuff off the top of your heart. Just dig a little bit. And say, Lord, is there something here I need to notice? Is there something here I need to take out and stone? Get it out of my life? Because we're, we're about to go to AI. And I don't, be, I don't want to be the one that holds us back. And so let's bow. Our penis will play in a moment. But just look in your tent. Look in the tent of your heart for just a minute. It won't take long. And do as the Holy Spirit bids you.